0: This is the Friday, October 21, 2022 version of the market analysis segment from Market to Market. Harvest pressure has found its way into the trade, but wheat has struggled the most, even with the combine season in the rear view. For the week, the nearby wheat contract dropped 9 cents, while the December corn contract lost 6 cents. The rapid pace of harvest is fed into China, looking at U.S. soybeans as a viable option. The November contract improved 12 cents. December meal added 6.80 per ton. December cotton, well, that shrank 3.90 per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, November Class three milk futures went up 71 cents. The livestock market was higher, as December cattle added 4.65. November feeders improved 3.57, and the December lean hog contract increased by 6.88. In the currency markets, U.S. dollar index shed 126 ticks. December Crude Oil added 11 cents per barrel. Comex Gold improved 11.20 per ounce. And the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index lost more than 7 points to finish at 6.26.05. Joining us now to provide some insight is Naomi Bloom. Hello and welcome back.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Kansas City wheat. Why does it have to be such a pain in the rear of the wheat market?
1: It is right now just a short-term anchor, but I think that's a story that's going to continue to get friendly. And of the grain complex right now, wheat, in my opinion, is oversold. It needs to be bought here at these levels. I think it's a pretty good buy.
0: I think you even said this week, it's on sale and a good deal.
1: It is on sale and a good deal. You know, fundamentally speaking... Even though the wheat market had this pullback recently, it's because the USDA report wasn't quite as bullish as what people were thinking it was going to be. And so that's what made the market pull back, and we didn't have any big, new, dramatic news out of Russia. But the bottom line is that our ending stocks here for all you know wheat categories is still down substantially. And then global wheat ending stocks are trending lower as well. So with the entire state of Kansas in a drought... With 25% of the state in an exceptional drought, uh, the wheat market at this level is, as I said, on sale. I think it's good value, and I think the wheat market has every ability to work higher going forward.
0: Saw the pictures this week on Twitter of people planting into dust. Yes. It's a lot of optimism for a big area that's in drought. If I'm someone in a big drought region... What am I trying to do?
1: Well, my client out that way said he's planting for insurance at this skate, You know, at this stage of the game, and so hoping for rain, hoping it comes, maybe hoping for perfect snow pot- potential precipitation later on. It's it's a dire situation out there with as dry as it is. So again, you know, with you have the the situation in the world, we have the Ukraine. Um, country that still is not going to be having replenished supplies they're half of what they normally are russia now at one point said oh we have this huge crop but now for this next year they're going to be saying it's a little bit less so we're not out of the woods yet on the supply situation and the demand of course for wheat globally is still strong
0: What's a range here for the next couple of weeks?
1: Um, I feel like we have some really good support right now with where we're at. I would say for this next week, barring something you know unforeseen from Russia, Ukraine, probably about a 50-cent range for the short term. But ultimately, I think we retest the highs from where we were just a couple of weeks ago and potentially can work higher. But again, that's dependent on global situations.
0: On your drive, I'm going to take a wild guess. There were a few combines in the field in the corn yes. market. A yes. lot of pressure, a lot of crop coming. Yields, we don't know yet. There's a tendency to think we're going to get a bigger crop. Is that the biggest pressure on corn right now?
1: Um, Corn market right now is under pressure from the conception that potentially Brazil is going to be a major competitor. But here's the reality with that. Um, We have our corn crop that is still In my opinion likely going to be getting a little bit smaller and corn is stuck in a range right now because it's really trying to understand where the supply is at and it's wanting to make sure demand can pick up our export sales are a little bit slower right now we might see the usda bring that number down a little bit but i think they also bring the yield number down a little bit and ultimately ending stocks stay unchanged at 1.1 billion bushels with brazil picking up some business potentially here from china that's only because ukraine lost all of that production so it's not like we're gaining more global production global corn ending stocks is actually reduced and brazil is just able to only offset what ukraine was doing so that's something people need to remember and the other part of that situation makes me feel that china is desperate for corn and i think that is the underlying theme their crop is of course um, getting a little bit bigger. But even though they've been locked down for COVID, various rotating ro- lockdowns for the last year and a half, their corn demand continues to grow, even though they're locked down. So, can you imagine how big their demand might be if they weren't on lockdown right now? And China, I think, is really trying to entice Brazil make sure you're producing more because China needs it from both hemispheres. They realized this year, because the entire northern hemisphere did not have a record crop, that they were in trouble. So they're trying to entice Brazil to make sure that they're going to be growing more for them in the future.
0: Potential people that they used to buy from didn't have the product, so they had to they had to go to the U.S. Is yes. that kind of what I'm reading? Well, say?
1: I think that they we're going to get some of their business, but we, usually we had been over the past three years getting business along with Ukraine, uh, and so now they're saying, um, hey, if the Northern Hemisphere doesn't get these crops, we need to make sure that we can get more availability from Southern Hemisphere. So, of course, that would be Argentina, Brazil, and South Africa, but they don't grow huge amounts of corn compared to what the Northern Hemisphere does.
0: All right, let's ask about those that are in the combine. Or on it and they're wondering what to do. Mitch in Hull, Iowa wants to know from you, Naomi. How are you marketing corn right now off the combine? Are you storing? Are you selling? Are you doing some re-ownership?
1: It depends on your basis in your area. Some folks are, their basis is just extremely attractive. So they're getting over $7 corn. So some folks there are making sales off the combine because it's just, really good numbers. For those who are storing, uh, because that is a viable option as well, At um, this time I'm not overly worried about markets falling apart, again, because we were just talking about mm-hmm. the global scene being friendly. But I would say, if you are making some sales off the combine here, do be open to re-ownership, because the corn market is in a sideways pennant formation. It's in the bigger picture on weekly charts. It's also in a short-term uptrend. It just needs something to light the match, And the upside, we could see $8 corn again come spring. You know, not necessarily anything right now. But the supply situation is still so dire. We didn't get ourselves produced out of it this year. So I think we're going to see the competition for acres again already for next year. And the demand for corn overall is strong.
0: Well, uh, I'd ask you a range question. You just kind of answered it there in corn. Let's talk about the acreage issue. We haven't discussed that in the bean market yet. Beans are supposed to be the winner. Things all kind of thrown off uh, this spring. Uh, Is the bean crop there to produce enough to quelch and fill enough orders? Uh,
1: The soybean crop, I think, right now, we're still really trying to understand that. I would say that the number that the USDA has right now um, might be able to waver a little bit. I don't think it's going to get bigger, though, just based on people who I've been talking to over the past two weeks. I also don't know that it gets much smaller, though. Either. So it's a little bit of a wait and see game. And that's why the soybean market has been in a sideways range. I remember the last time I was here in August, soybeans were like at 1425 or getting close to 1450. And here the January contract again, right at $14. For, for you know, two months, this market's just been stuck. We're waiting to see, you know, what we're gonna have for our demand numbers. Our export sales are ahead of schedule. And I think the whole world right now. Is just waiting and hoping that South America does have that record crop. And we are pricing in that record crop right now. So if they don't produce what they're hoping that they're going to be producing, that would make the market work higher for prices come January, February, just like what happened last year.
0: And what's the basis story on beans compared to corn?
1: Um, It's a little bit of a different story, I think, um, just because uh, corn, of course, so deficit out west. um, But with the beans... Because of those August rains, it feels like there was maybe a little bit more soybeans available than people thought. But again, not a record crop. Mm. So the demand is there. We're going to see demand, of course, continue to grow for soybeans because of the um, processing facilities that are going to be coming online. And so the soybean story long term is still friendly. But we just flat out still don't have anything to get us out of our trading range yet. But if you're selling beans off the combine... Look at re-ownership strategies because if South America does not have that crop, this market has every reason why it could go higher yet.
0: And when you talk about the pennant range, what do you look at for ranges here in the next, we'll say, three weeks since we're still yep. having the so this
1: Absolutely. Crop. So for the next three weeks, I think uh, soybeans are in a 50-cent trading range, maybe 75 cents at most, $14 on this January contract, really good support. 14.50 is going to be resistance, and it'll take some news to get us out of that. Now, do remember, we have two larger pieces of news coming up with The um, export situation in Ukraine and getting that corridor to stay open, so that's early November. And then that railroad strike is mid-November, and that is going to be something that could affect the soybean market.
0: Well, how about the uh, cotton market? We had a question, uh, John in Sherdan, Iowa. Sorry, control room, I'm putting you on notice here. Uh, John wanted to know, Naomi, should I buy all my cotton-made gifts soon, or is it too late to avoid pricing and quantity upticks?
1: Uh, So I am friendly to cotton yet for the longer haul and if you are looking to secure your needs for Christmas I would say go ahead and buy your socks and t-shirts that you're looking to get just because you have to think of it from the standpoint You know, we're going to see potential increase in production coming out of India But the Pakistan floods were just absolutely devastating and our weekly export sales are showing that we sent uh, cotton to Pakistan to Egypt to China. So China is still looking to be, you know, getting their facilities and their clothing facilities up and running again soon. I don't think China had a fantastic cotton crop this year either. The recent sell-off on cotton was technical. The funds are selling it and that is also a market that it's a little overdone. And they're already talking about cotton production acres being down 10% next spring. So here again, those nine grain and oil seed commodities with tight ending stocks that we talked about a year ago at that time, still is an issue, so we will see the competition for acres um, come again, and I think cotton is cheap right now. So I'm waiting and watching for a bottoming signal, but I would be ready to be jumping on board as a buyer once we see one.
0: Dairy up 3.5% on the week. Why?
1: Well, we were anticipating the milk production report that came out, and unfortunately the milk production report Thursday afternoon was a little bit negative. Milk production up 1.5%, and for milk that's a big deal. But now we've had three milk production reports in a row showing production increases. So that's going to weigh on the market prices. I think we'll see deferred contracts show that going forward. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if those class three futures and the deferred contracts just nudge a little bit lower, but the good news is demand is strong cheese demand is fantastic. Of course, where I live, right in the heart of cheese country, married to a guy in the cheese industry, I can tell you with confidence the cheese industry is good.
0: Is that insider information you're going to get in trouble?
1: Um, well, I didn't reveal the company name, oh, and I didn't true. exactly say how good things are. So, <laughs> <laughs> But it's, things are good there, and our export demand is strong too. exports for butter Export for cheese still above year-ago levels, so that part the demand story is friendly.
0: It's been good, too, for uh, the cattle on feed and the livestock industry the last couple weeks. Everything's been up across the board. Let's start with live cattle.
1: Yep, live cattle pushed higher in anticipation of the cattle on feed report. That did come out this afternoon as expected, so no big surprises there. Uh, Cattle prices for de-fat cattle up to the 152 mark. That's resistance right now, and because the report was not over-the-top bullish, probably see a little bit of a setback. But we saw nice cash cattle numbers this week. Kansas 148 up from 145. We saw 150 in Minnesota, Iowa. So the cash demand is there. The choice select spread, um, you know, probably some of the widest it's been at over, you know, $30. And so the demand is there for high product. And so far, consumer demand is strong. Exports still number one that they've ever been for this time of year. So it is still a supportive story for cattle. I don't know. Like I said, the report today wasn't over-the-top friendly to get the market to rally substantially higher next week.
0: And placements were down 4% four percent below 2021, and you're no surprise there either. Yeah, right? no,
1: that was what we were expecting. It just continues to show a friendly story going for
0: 2023. Hog market, uh, finally have turned it around, but why? Yeah. Can, so, it, can it sustain, I should say?
1: Yeah, so that market had a huge, what we would call a V-bottom on a chart. So all of a sudden, boom, things start to go higher. I think part of that was because we had African swine fever in three countries of Europe. We saw our cash markets improve. Uh, Our domestic demand is okay. Our exports, though, still behind the five-year average. But what we did see this week was China coming in and being a buyer on our exports because our uh, pork priced here is still way cheaper than what they're doing in China right now. So we're seeing them come in and be a buyer. Where the hog market got up to today, again, a resistance level on charts. Um, I don't know. It would take a really friendly uh, cash market story next week. It would take another round of really good exports next week to have the market to have a short-term reason to work higher. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see maybe a little bit of a pullback next week. But the hog story is starting to get a little bit friendlier. So that's encouraging for our farmers.
0: Friendly for how long?
1: Well, I'm, what I'm curious is if we see African swine fever flare up again in China. Um, so that's something to be mindful of. I would say in the bigger picture here right now that the hog market maybe starts to go into a sideways trading range for about a month. We're going to want to see where our export demand is. We're going to want to see what the African swine fever is doing in Europe. Is it spreading anywhere else? Um, but ultimately, it's It's a better story than what it was. doesn't have a reason to be over-the-top bullish, though, quite yet.
0: Not quite yet. No. All right. Naomi, I appreciate your time and insight. Thank you so much. And that is going to put a pause on this analysis. And we're going to continue with Naomi and answer more of your submitted questions. I have more right here. We're going to do that in the Market Plus segment. You can find that on our website, which is markettomarket.org. And the show is in both podcast form. It's also on YouTube as well as our website. Now, all of these resources are free. Now, Harvest may be the best time to get caught up on podcasts. And when you have some time, in that cab, dial up one of our three offerings. You can find them there on YouTube. We have the Market Analysis, Market Plus, as well as the MTOM. Follow to stay in the know. Next week, we are going to look at one dairy producer's search for additional revenue streams. Thank you for watching. Have a great week.